Sports presents Head of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, former Blue Jay Kelly Gruber talks about the one burning memory he's left with from his Major League debut. I remember I had to pee. Yeah, you know, Forrest Gump. I was scared. Yeah. And, you know, I learned this time went on that if I didn't get nervous before every game, there's something wrong. And now, a man who's never shy to start taking the piss. Here's Barry Davis. Uh, Barry? 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 Sorry, I'm not even Hey, everybody. Ask. Welcome welcome to the show. Uh, Kelly Gruber this week, right, Tom? I missed the entire beginning of the show. Absolutely. Kelly Gruber. Um, a very, <laughs> very interesting and lengthy conversation with Kelly Gruber. Uh, some fond memories from him and uh, probably many more than he forgotten, Tom. <laughs> uh, absolutely. That, you know, wonderful story. This was... A really huge one for me, Gruber, you know, being such a big figure for me as a young baseball fan, you know, being, you know, that was the first game I ever went to was the game that he hit the cycle. Oh, yeah. And, well, and this this is a cool interview, and we get into that, which is pretty neat. And we will find out, so stay till the end, whether the Kelly Gruber mullet will ever, or has it already, returned. Stay tuned for that, folks. Our poll returns. Yes, the fair or foul poll is back. And uh, some very interesting results that we will share with you. And up next, well, this is kind of what we did our poll about. Is it frustration time? Is it panic time? Or is it just too damn early? There's Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. And this is Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. And the first pitch is brought to you by our good friends at Ballistic Sports. And Thomas, uh, as we speak, I am looking down at my board for the baseball board game and cannot wait for this thing to be completed. And I know it's probably taken uh, longer than uh, we all expected. But again, with COVID and everything, it just puts delays on everything. Yeah, exactly. And I just can't wait to get my hands on one of these things and and start playing. So we we could all use a pick me up right now. Absolutely. Go to BallisticSports.com for more information on their three really, really cool board games. Okay, uh, Thomas, Barry. Uh, another Blue Jay, uh, another former Blue Jay that Blue Jay fans were hoping to have gotten signed was Liam Hendricks, who yep. officially inked his contract with the Chicago White Sox. Yep. And by the way, we'll be a guest on an upcoming Out of the Park, so stay tuned for that. Uh, so that was another one that got away. LeMayhew, uh, it just seems like one after the other after the other free agents are not signing with the Blue Jays, and fans are, are rightfully pissed about it. Now, <laughs> it's very interesting, and we'll hear about it at the end of the show when you see the results of our poll, but there's really, you know, there's there's two takes on this, yep. and they're pr- there's no down the middle. You're either on one side or the other. Either it's way too soon to be worried, yep. or, uh, uh-oh, this offseason has been a complete failure. Yep. And... I know one thing that irks you has nothing to do with with a, a player not signing or signing. No, not at all. Um, I'm I'm an optics guy, <laughs> and 
you know, they made a signing this week that that I really thought was one of the worst timed signings that I can remember. And that's Shapiro. And, you know, why it bugged me is, yeah, it, like, because we are getting antsy. And Rogers, they're a telecom company. You know, they're, they're supposed to at least kind of be acknowledge what the fan base is feeling. <laughs> and, and so just at a time when the fan base is getting antsy, instead of assigning, we get a, a, a re-up of Shapiro. And it's great that he got that shot in the arm. It's great that Rogers has confidence in him. But for a fan base, it just sends the wrong message. It sends a message that they don't care. Because so what you're saying, what you're saying, Tom, mm-hmm. is that it's not so much that he got this deal; it's the fact that they announced it now. It's when, yeah. Because like, imagine, right, it's, imagine if we get through this off season and we don't sign anybody, right? We don't sign a single person. Rogers coming out at the end of this dead off season, just as the fans are going to be up in arms. Rogers coming out and signing Shapiro could be seen as a huge shot in the arm. Right? Like, things didn't work out this season, but we are still confident this is our guy. We're confident he did the right thing. They could have used the signing at the end of the offseason to mm-hmm. sell whatever happens between now and then. Yep. To sell that to the fan base. We have confidence in this guy. This is why we're going forward. But now, they just drop it right at the time fans are getting antsy. Fans want to hear about a baseball player coming to Toronto. And what do we do? They, they, they act like Rodgers has acted, unfortunately, far too many times. And that's completely tone-deaf to the fans. And here See, we, I'm, here I'm we totally, are. I'm, I'm totally on the other side of this, Tom, because, in my opinion, the majority of the free agents are still free agents. There hasn't been a ton of off-season stuff. The Lindor thing, I, I, honestly, yeah, Lindor's a phenomenal player, but the Jays have got plenty uh, in that position. So mm-hmm. that's not the, the, the area that you want to strengthen up. Uh Let's see. I never, ever judge an offseason from a team until they start playing preseason games. When those when those Grapefruit League games start, then I, I have a, a better idea because, you know, there could be moves during spring training, but it's very rare that it happens, right? So mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any reason in, in my mind to be worried or panicked. And I actually took offense to the fact that some people, when they saw the poll, thought that that was my way of saying that, I'm ready to panic that it's a failure. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. I'm throwing it out there. I'm curious to know what the – that's why it's a poll. Yeah. We want to know what you have to think. So that was basically um, – yeah. <laughs> I agree with you there, figure. though. Like, in terms of in terms of what they've done or haven't done in the offseason, uh, we said this on the show last week. I'm not panicking. You know, this is an unprecedented offseason. No one knows what the hell's going on. They're trying to mitigate – like, when they sign a player – where are they telling this player that they're going to play, right? So this offseason might go sketchy. And and oh, I'm, yeah. I'm right with you. I'm not going to judge them. I'm You know what? Blue Jays fans have got to remember our best offseason ever. And, you know, let's... 2013. There we go, <laughs> right? And we all know how that turned out. Um, yeah. I would say, okay, when you talking strictly from at the time that the deals happened. Mm-hmm. I would say that that was probably number two to the Joe Carter-Roberto Alomar trade. However, yep. the day it happened, the day it all happened, everyone, myself included in the media, said, 
no, no, this will end up being the biggest trade in Blue Jays history yep. because that team was so you're. It's such a good point. Yeah, see, moves my problem isn't it, with the moves. Volume done of with moves. <laughs> yeah, volume of moves in the off season is not success or failure. Mm-hmm. It's the quality of moves you make. And if the Jays only make one signing, but that signing happens to be a key player, then it's a huge success. Yeah. And if they sign that player the day before spring training and they have a great season, this player does well, it's a huge success. Yep. Yep. That's all I've got to say about that. I love it. That's no, Forrest, That's what Forrest Gump would yeah. say. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, my, my only thought was the Shapiro signing. It's just bad timing. Okay, we've yabbered on long enough. Uh, we have got a very big show coming up, and uh, because of that, we will not do Ask Barry Davis this week uh, because we are joined by a Toronto Blue Jay legend. Well, joining us from his home in Austin, Texas, is former Toronto Blue Jay all-star Kelly Gruber. Kelly, uh, first of all, you, you showed us it's freaking snowing in Austin, Texas. Now, how rare is that? for January? Uh, well, you know, it's weird because either we have a really cold January and a early spring February or vice versa. So hopefully we're getting it over with and February will be well on our way to summer again. Um, you know, once every 11 years, it'll snow here. And uh, that's not very much. So we're not used to it. And I, I guarantee you everything is shut down out there because one snowflake hit the floor. Oh yeah. They don't have the yeah. uh, they don't have the technology yet to deal with that amount of snow. I remember being in Washington D.C. of all places many years ago, and they had a snowstorm, and it was like the whole thing shut down, like because they had no plows and and people didn't know what to do with themselves. So, at least you've seen it, man. Like, go back to like when you first came to Toronto for the first time, and I I you know. It gets pretty cold in April. It gets pretty cold in September. And I'm sure, you know, you were in Canada and, like, were you like, what the hell have I signed up for here? Yeah, and and to top it off, you know, of course, we're at the X, Exhibition Stadium. (laughs) And it gets really cold down there by the water. And uh, I was real happy to see that dome come along, I'll tell you that. You know, yeah, it's funny. I always used to make fun of – I have a really close friend of mine that lives down in Atlanta, and I always used to make fun of him for – for uh you know not being able to deal with the snow but uh you know I, then i had a another close friend of ours move to la and, and in la they shut down when it rains so <laughs> at least it takes snow for you guys in texas yeah. how uh, outside of the snow how are things for you in texas how are things going it's been a wild year yeah it has been um this this life has been crazy i I don't know what to expect i don't i don't know what to do you know Uh, i miss coming to canada uh and passing on the knowledge of baseball you know to the new coaches the old coaches the the young players and you know that that brought a great joy to my life to pass it on and it was just kind of one of those unwritten rules that uh cito had made with everybody uh, most of the coaches agreed as well uh you know to do that and you know i was truly enjoying it and when it's taken away like that it, you just you know you kind of flounder uh and you know of course i've just been staying inside um i don't want to battle with that stuff and 
you know, I don't know what to think of it. I don't, it's, it's just crazy. It, you know, it makes no rhyme or reason. And, uh, I don't know. So I, yeah, I've been, I've been doing things around the house. I've been just staying busy. Um, it doesn't pay any money to do that over here though. No, I guess not. <laughs> did you not, did you not save your money from all those billion dollar contracts? Oh yeah, that's right. You played in the eighties where they didn't have them, but Having said that, do you remember the first time you got a, a major league paycheck and you saw those zeros and you went, "Holy shit!" Yeah, I you know it, I didn't know what it was, how <laughs> much it was. I was just uh, when I pass my ten fingers, I lose. I, I my math stops. <laughs> they don't work as well, but um, you know it's such a different language, but. Uh, yeah, it was it was quite a surprise and an awakening to see uh, large numbers like that. You know, I, I was paid uh, uh, on a three year deal eleven million dollars, and at that time, oh yeah, that was the highest paid third baseman in the history of the game, and that's nothing now. So you opened the door for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I I heard that. Uh, <clears throat> the guys before me opened the door for us. So, you know, it, uh, it, we, we have such a strong, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, union. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, Donald Fuhrer, I think, what is he with? He's with the hockey. Club yeah, he team. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he's doing magical things. There's no doubt in my mind what's going on there with, for those guys. And, the thing I liked what he did most was he made everything retroactive. Uh, all the greats that had played that were not eligible to receive any of this, uh, we made sure that they were going to be eligible to receive it retroactively. Hey, Kelly, uh, Tommy Lasorda just passed away recently. Did you get to know Tommy at all during your, your baseball days? You know, I did. I never had a chance to play for him. Um, I'd see him here and there, you know, different places. We'd, we'd go do some things and kind of meet up. Uh, I remember he paid me just a truly a, a, a very nice compliment one time. Uh, I, I was excited about meeting him, and I saw him. So I immediately went over to him, <clears throat> and I said, Hello, uh, Mr. Lasorda. My name's Kelly Gerby. He shook my hand. He goes, oh, I know your name. I know who you are. And and I, I kind of thought, uh oh what did I do? <laughs> and he said, uh, he goes, no, no. He says, you're a ball player. I can tell you're a ball player just the way you walk. So, you know, that kind of tells you a little bit about what Tommy was all about. It wasn't uh, – uh, into all, you know, seeing the guys on the field, he could see them off the field walking down the street and tell whether they're a ball player. And it's funny because um, I don't know if, if if that works for me too, if I've been blessed with that trick or, or, or treat. You know, it's um, I can I can tell by the way people walk. I can tell by so you know some of these ball players the way they talk, the way. Uh, you know, conduct themselves, um, whether they can play ball or not and, and what kind of athlete, uh, they are. And, uh, 
you, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know why, because I truly think you have to see somebody on the field to register how good they are and where they could fit in your program. Is that something that's being lost in the game today? That that ability to measure the intangibles, to know just by a look or a feel, is that getting lost in a sea of numbers? Do you think by most teams? Well, you know, I I do. I think I think that's the case. Um, yeah, you have the Billy Bean, you know, Moneyball, and mm -hmm. I think that's where it all started. Uh, to think that you don't have to lay eyes on a player to tell whether they can play and, and determine how far they can go, I think is, uh, is, is wrong. Um, the stats purely are not going to tell you now, you know, those, they'll say, well, they're going to get on base X amount of times a game and they're going to score so many runs at money ball and how they based everything like that. Uh, and that's what we want. So in order to score runs, you have to have base runs and it doesn't matter how you get on base. You just get on base, and then people push them around, and uh, you score, and, and that's how you win games. Uh, you also win it by defense, you know, as well. But uh, uh, you know, I think I think it's gotten away from that. I think a lot of the scouts are they're going by, uh, you know, the example that Billy Bean and 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 Moneyball had set out in front of them, and you know. I don't think they're putting too much weight on going and seeing these players and, uh, you know, laying their eyes on them to see if they can play. <clears throat> and I think that's such an important ingredient, uh, really, you know, that stats doesn't say at all. Kelly, another thing that stats don't prepare a baseball <laughs> player for is, uh, you know, the success they're going to get as far as off the field. And when you join the Toronto Blue Jays, I mean, you, you showed that you can play baseball, but you very quickly became, and I've said this to you before, you became like a rock star, right? I mean, the fans loved you. You were getting the accolades. And this was before social media. At that age, Kelly, were you prepared for that? Did you have, did you have struggles with it getting to your head maybe when you were younger where you thought, well, hell yeah, I am, I'm a handsome, great dude, and look at me. Like, how do you avoid getting into that at a young age? Well, I think it's your background. I think I think it's how you grow up, uh, your your parents, um, you know, and I just simply how you brought up. Um, you know, I, I don't think that I ever really had to, that kind of problem. I think more of my problems early on were actually realizing what's around me. You know, my surrounding the dome, fifty thousand people in it, and if. I paid homage to that and I looked up and I go, oh my God, there's 50,000 people in the stands. Then that definitely would affect my game. And, you know, I, I found out later that, listen, if that's where I'm going with my, my thinking and my mind, it's not where it's supposed to be. Uh, I should be, you know, projecting the game. Uh, if our pitcher throws this pitch, what is this hitter going to do it versus th that hitter? What is he going to do with it? Um, and you, you tend to go to the tendencies of, of our pitchers. And we had game plans, uh, where to play them and how we're going to pitch to them. And uh, uh, you play the percentages in that. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a mental game. That, that's, that's what they said forever. And it purely is because you almost have to stay a, a, a pitch ahead. 
how did you how did you play the mental game? Do you think you did a decent job playing that mental game um, on and off the field? Right. Because, again, I mean, when you're a popular guy and, and the spotlight's on you, um, you know, everybody's watching every move you make kind of thing, like like the water skiing. Right. Back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and again, if I let my mind wander and entertain those thoughts, uh, I, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And chances are I'm not going to make that play or I'm not going to get that hit. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just, you just you, you come a little older, a little more experienced. And thank goodness I had great coaches that had played the game. And, you know, it wasn't something that they were trying to teach that they had nothing to know about. So, uh, you, you know, I was blessed in that sense. And uh, that's always, you know, a helpful hand. And, uh, you know, it just the mental game came along. Uh, I was 31, uh, 30, 31 when I went down and, and couldn't play any longer. And I had felt like I'd just gotten to that threshold and I'd crossed the threshold. And I had a game plan coming into the game because I knew the pitcher had faced him in a certain amount of time and and times that, you know, as long as I stayed disciplined and stuck to that game plan, I had uh, a a 30% chance of, of getting hit. You know, you fail seventy percent of the time. You, you hit three hundred. You're you're a great player. You're an all star, and that's a, that's a tough thing. That's a that's a big hurdle to cross because uh, now you know it's again the, the mental side of things with with playing the game. And you can dig yourself a hole pretty quick. Failing seventy percent of the time, it, it's not fun. You know, it's. Uh... You bring up, you know, reaching that level and reaching that plateau and, and the career kind of coming to the end that it did at, at age 31. And, and you know, I still remember, I, I still think of that as probably one of the worst plays in MLB history. I was watching that tag that that that, that was made and, and obviously didn't know at the time the damage that had been done to your shoulder. Um, looking back at it now, um, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that your career was never really able to, to recover. Was, was there something in specific? Was it, was it a body thing? Was it just a general wear and tear or like, or had you reached the end of your line at, at that young age? Well, you know, I think it all started in football. Uh, in Texas, football's king. It's like hockey in Canada. And it's not, that's not tiddlywinks, you know, hockey and football. That's, that's a real man sport. But, uh, yeah, it's not baseball and uh, swimming or checkers, you know, <laughs> but you know, it, it, uh, it started there. They said I was a better football player than I was baseball player. I certainly liked it more. And I was often compared. I think I'd heard many times from commentators that he looks like a, a football player playing baseball. Uh, just the way I played it, I played it aggressively. I, I didn't simply didn't want any regrets. I didn't, I didn't want to retire in that rocking chair and say, I wish I'd have done this and I wish I'd have done that. I was going to spend it on the field knowingly that, you know, I gave it all that I had. And whether I won or lost, 
I succeeded or I failed, uh, I could hold my head up and knew that I gave it the best shot that I could. And, you know, again, you need that in baseball because if you get three hits out of 10 and then multiply that with 500 at bats, you're hit, you hit 300 and you fell 70% of the time. Now, I had a hot head growing up. I had to learn how to control that just to stay in the game. And 70% uh, of the time, I was hot in the head a lot. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to deal with. And, and that was, the, I think, probably the first major big hurdle that I had to get over mentally. Uh, not accept it, but understand it and not let it uh, get to me to where it dragged me down further and I dig a hole for myself or, you know, any deeper than it, than, than it should be. So I think that's, you know, how it works. And, and as time goes on, if you have good coaches that have played the game, uh, you know, they had methods of how they achieved those uh, benchmarks and, and, and growth in the game. And, and, um, you know, I was fortunate, like I said, to have, you know, quite a few really, I mean, Jimmy Williams, what a, he taught me so much about the game of baseball. Bobby Cox scared me to death. <laughs> yeah. You're not the only like, one. He, oh man. You take a bad swing and you'd look over for some help at the bench and you'd see Bobby and he'd be, <laughs> you know, just, okay. I, I don't know what words he was saying to me, you know, but I'm sure they weren't nice. And, and, uh, uh, it did nothing for the confidence, you know? Um, so he managed in a little different way is where, uh, you know, Cito and I, we had some signs that the way we would talk when I was up at, at the plate and he was on the bench, maybe giving me, uh, possibility of why don't you look for a curveball or why don't you look for an in outside fastball or this and because we had talked about it quite a bit you know whenever I looked at him I was saying help help you know <laughs> and uh, he was so good at uh, calling pitches and, and having a real good inkling on what pitch was going to be thrown next according to the situation um, who's behind me uh, who's on the mound, you know, who's on base. So he really helped me through that whole process a lot. Kelly, it, it's interesting you, know, you mentioned about, you know, having issues being hot-headed in your younger days. And Todd Stottlemyre told us the exact same thing a couple years ago about how in his younger days with the Jays, that was probably his biggest issue. As he got older, he learned how to, to deal with that. And I asked him if he regretted what he went through then. And he said, well, not really, because I think I needed to go through that to learn how to not do it. Do you find it the same way that, you know what, maybe there are times where you got too out of control with the hot-headedness, but you needed to make those mistakes to learn to be where you are now? Absolutely. Um, you know, Todd's 100% right. Um, we had a saying, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the valleys, we wouldn't know what the mountain peaks were. If it wasn't for failure, how would we know what success was? So you needed one uh, with the other to, to understand 
where you were at that time and what kind of success or failure rate did you have? Uh, and it's such a fast game that, you know, it's like your music. Um, I think that's why a lot of ballplayers want to be musicians and musicians want to be baseball players is because it's individual, uh, even though it's a team game, but the team's not in that box swinging that bat for you. Mm -hmm. It's you or making that play or, you know, and if it, you have, like I said, you have to stay a step uh, ahead, a pitch ahead because 01 is different than 10, uh, than 00, than, than 2002, you know, and that's going to determine what that pitcher is going to throw. And according to, again, the situation of the game, what inning, are they up or are they down? Are they men on base? Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's such a mental game that I, I wasn't, I was just an athlete. I wasn't a, uh, a baseball player. I was an athlete and I had to learn to become a baseball player. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a real mental kind of a guy. Uh, I, I'm again, a, an athlete that played football, loved that sport. I don't know that it takes a whole lot of brains to go bash your head into somebody else. I don't know. I used to play football. I was a quarterback and you, you, you had to know an all, you had to memorize a lot. There's a lot of brains that went into those patterns. <laughs> it used to not be that way. You know, they, they, they would call strong, right. Uh, slant, right. And everybody would know, okay, well, I'll line up on this side and we'll lean that way. If they were slanting, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and it was very simple back in the days, mash mouth football. Um, probably hockey was a lot the same. And then they, you know, uh, the, the equipment got better. They, they, they skated better. They were faster. Uh, you know, the, the, the supplements get, get stronger and, uh, they're bigger. They're... So, you know, the game changes and it, it, it is, you know, I signed to play football at Texas, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and baseball, and uh, again, I wanted to play football, but I went first round, 10th pick of the nation out of high school here in Austin, and that decision was no longer on the table to be made. It was made for me, and uh, so that's the way it went, but, you know, Barry Switzer wanted me to come and run his triple option. I was a triple option running. I'd carry the ball 20, 30 times a game as quarterback. Wow, but I also, but I also played uh, free safety, which I think is the best position on the field because you are the hunter there, and and at quarterback you're nothing but the hunted, you know, and uh, uh, so I was going to be able to play uh, football and baseball at Texas, and and because you know. Free safety, there's not a whole lot of schemes you have to learn like a quarterback. you got to go to school all year long to learn not only all your plays, your checkoffs, uh, the other teams, and you're recognizing what they're running. Um, and it's it's 24-7 job as a quarterback. Free safety, you line up 
strong side of the center, 12 yards deep. Your first two steps are straight back as hard as you can go. Nobody gets behind you. Read the quarterback, use the sidelines, go to the ball. That's it. <laughs> so I could have played baseball, you know, and and uh, and I was going to play baseball, um, even though it wasn't my favorite sport because of, uh, of my family, you know, my grandmother, my grandfather, my mom's dad. Uh, they wanted me to, to play baseball and, and obviously thought I was good. But again, I wasn't a baseball player. I, I was uh, just an athlete. And I, I'd venture to say that football was the same. Um, I wasn't a football player as much as I was an athlete. And, it, and it's the whole process of putting the mind with your game plans and the ability to stick to that, that's discipline and, and learning that, which was hard for me to learn and uh, uh, applying it. Uh, and then, you know, taking the lumps with, with, uh, with, with the, the, the good doses of sugar, you know, when you'd win, when you'd, you'd do well. Uh, so it's just, it was a big process. And I guess at 30 years old, I just kind of started coming into my own and becoming a baseball player and putting the mental side along with the physical side. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was having a lot more fun. I was having a lot more success. And yeah, and I just a whole lot more, more confidence. Uh, I wasn't worried about how many people were in the stands or, you know, I, I, so many people, they say, why is Ken Griffey Jr. Barry Bonds, uh, the Alamars, the um, Alus. Why? Why do they just step up in at twenty years old, so young, and make their mark, and 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 can jump right in it? Well, because you know uh, they were out shagging fly balls for the big red machine as kids. Then when they step on that baseball field, that major league baseball park. Your, their knees aren't knocking like yours, you know, scared to death because, oh, my God, it, it's, it's, it's frightening. It can be if, if you lend your mind to it, and that's what you have to take control of and, and not let happen. Kelly, what do you remember about you know, your first major league game? Do you have any memories of it? Do you remember your first at bat or, or taking the field for that first game? You know, <clears throat> I remember I had to pee. Like yeah, Forrest Gump. I had to pee. I had to pee, man. I was, um, I was scared. Yeah. And you know, I learned as time went on that if I didn't get nervous before every game, there's something wrong. Uh, you should never get that complacent and that comfortable, so to speak. Uh, there should always be a nervousness to you because, uh, you know, I mean, the whole visualization thing about seeing yourself out there, playing that game through, seeing yourself hitting a winning double, making the winning catch or play, uh, when you, the mind sees it in your inner eye, your body believes it and it follows it. It wasn't until your fourth game that you actually even had an at-bat in the majors. Do you recall, like, what, did that make it easier for like your first three games? It looks like you were a defensive replacement. 
for those three games. And then you get one at bat against the Royals in May of 84. And it wasn't until, you know, September. So I guess, did you get sent down and then called back up again? Is this like, did they have September call-ups back then? Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, when I came to the Jays, that's when they, they chopped the roster from 25 to 24, which actually helped me because, uh, um, Jimmy came up Williams and, and Bobby Cox and asked, do you mind playing the outfield? I said, no, I'll play anywhere you want me to, you know, I, just to be on the field. And not that I'd played outfield before, but, uh, if, when they chopped it down, they could no longer carry an extra outfielder and an extra infielder. They had to have one guy for the boat uh, as a utility. So that actually helped me. And, and, and when I came over in the rule five draft that, uh, uh, that's that's probably what kept me on the big league roster. And then they made that trade with Gino Petrali in, I think, $2 million uh, that they, they gave, the Toronto gave to Cleveland, which it, it allowed me to go down to AAA because I wasn't getting any playing time. You're not going to get better playing the sport without playing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, bringing up your first baseball game, uh, I'll share just a quick story about my first baseball game. Uh, I think it was April 16th, uh, 1989. I don't know if that date rings a bell to you. Yeah. Oh, Kelly, are you there? 1989? Yeah. April 16th, I think, was the date. Well, is that the cycle day? No. That was, yeah. That, I think of it as the day that I learned never to leave a baseball game early. <laughs> what happened i i went with a, a teammate of mine uh whose father was our coach brought us to brought us to act to the x to and it was my first ever i'd been a blue jays fan for years but didn't have a lot of money growing up so that was my first game ever and uh you the blue jays were losing real bad early and uh my my friend's dad decided, you know what, we'd get out of this blowout and he'd take us down and see the uh, see the new dome that they were building. And yeah, you can only imagine my my shock and horror. And, you know, the funny thing is that day they were having a promotion. If you were at the game, you could buy a ticket at the box office and get a 50% off for another game. So we all went down a little bit later in the summer and got to see the Texas Rangers. And it was, I think, one of Todd Stallmeyer's first starts. Nolan Ryan was pitching. And I believe you broke out his, you broke up his shutout in, it would have been the ninth inning. Nelson Liriano hit a triple, and I think you sacked Lightham home. No. But those. Kelly know, doesn't remember I, anything. I, <laughs> you're, you know, Barry, uh, you're absolutely right because, again, you know, you, I was petrified, to say the least. I mean, seriously, if 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 I acknowledged my surroundings, it would be like, oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's natural; it, it happens that way, and so that the whole trick was to stay busy with your mind, and again, staying ahead by one pitch each time projecting what could happen, seeing yourself make these plays. If I bobble it and I'm going this way, 
I don't have time to go to second now. I got to go to first immediately. Because how many times you see that? They bobble it. They come up, throw to second like they were going to. And they say, oh, I can't get them. And then they go to first and they go to throw it. And, oh, I can't get them now either. So that's what he got to play through. Bobble it. I don't even think a second now. I'm going straight to first. And I get them out. So that's how I kept my mind busy. So I wasn't thinking about everybody's eyes beating down on you. Yep. Was there was there ever a point in your playing career where you just were able to shut it out? Where you were, you know, you you kind of alluded to this, I think, probably in the in the early '90s seasons when you were speaking earlier. But did you ever reach that point where you were like, "I'm I'm here, I'm doing what I should be doing," and and it's just all confidence and fun? Yeah, yeah, well, I I did, and and I'll tell you uh, a phenomena. Um, all I heard was a buzz. I'd hear, you know, the common crowd would be a, you know, just a buzz when you're out there. And And when they didn't like something and they wanted to boo, it'd go from the, the (laughs) and you'd hear that. So you knew that something wasn't going on that the fans liked. Okay. Well, when they cheered, it did just the opposite. It goes, you know. So as time went on, that's what I would hear when I was out on the field. Uh, I wasn't paying attention to the guys over right on the field at the Bronx playing the Yankees. The same 10 guys that would come every game of mine and scream obscenities at me, (laughs) you know. Uh, I didn't hear him anymore. Did that same rule apply to you once you were in a postseason game? Because everything is escalated so much, right? Already you're more nervous. The intensity is there more. Uh, there's so much more on the line. And the noise in the stadium is going to be so much more than what you'd see in a regular season game. Did you almost have to take a breath at that point and kind of reassess how you were going to handle it? Uh, yeah, you know, I watched a, a, a movie, um, a long time ago called Hoosiers. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest movies I think I've seen. And you know, when, when that little podunk town went to the big city to play and, you know, for state and, and the big Samson Goliath, you know, team that they were going against that had won so many championships. He took him on that court and he measured the foul line to the basket. You remember the same dimensions on this basketball court are the same ones in Podunkville where you're from. The game doesn't change. And that stuck with me. Um, So I think ultimately that helped me mentally, uh, you know, once I got to the point where I was handling the crowd and feeling somewhat comfortable and staying busy mentally into the game, taking my mind off of that, uh, as, as time went on, then obviously you get to the playoffs and you go to the world series and it's magnified. Um, uh, but I'm the keeper of this game and you know, if I don't entertain it, 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 it's, it has no residence. So 
you know, that was that was the challenge and and what everybody goes through, I'm sure. Uh, whether it's at your park or at fantasy uh, camp. Um, oh yeah, you saw me at fantasy camp, right? Yeah, I, I was peeing my pants every moment I was out there on the field. <laughs> Especially when you I got know, you throwing a ball at me from third base, and you know I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, there's a rule: don't dive when you peed your pants, because then you'll have a big black spot. <laughs> They'll see. <laughs> but you know what, Kelly? You and that's funny you say that because you were not afraid to get your uniform dirty. If you had to die for a ball, you'd die for a ball, and. We saw a lot of that for the teams that you were a part of, whether it be Alomar, whether it be Tony Fernandez. You don't see a lot of that now. Um, the last guy I remember in the Blue Jays organization that did that was Josh Donaldson. In fact, the first time I saw Josh Donaldson play third base, he reminded me of you. Do you see that? Like when, when you watched Josh, did you see any of you in him? Um, yeah. I, you know, he, he was uh, – um... I mean, that's a compliment, by the way. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, it was just the blonde uh, hair more than anything, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the flow. The flow. The flow. Right? That's right. That's right. Anyways, go on. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it, you know, Josh was uh, very determined. He, he, he was, he was probably ahead of me mentally. Uh, you know, I was truly blessed uh, athletically. Um, from the Lord above. I mean, it was nothing that I did. And I didn't find too many people that were at that level with me athletically. Uh, a baseball player, I couldn't understand why can't I break into the big leagues? Why can't I get on the road to the success and have the kind of success that I'm wanting to have and think I should have? Because uh, the mental side wasn't there. Well, most of the guys that aren't as athletic, they have it right between the ears earlier. And they have it right here in the heart. Um, and that makes up for athleticism. And uh, otherwise, you know, you're just running around with your head uh, cut off like a chicken. You know, it's it. Um, if you don't know what key opens the door, you know, you're going to be stuck there for a while. Um, so, you know, Josh was, uh, uh, determined, like I said, and uh, he was smart and he was a catcher first. Yeah, right? he was. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that, that's such a different perspective of the game. He, they're the only ones that face the opposite direction of everybody else mm -hmm. the whole game. And, you know, that's why I think they, they make good managers. They, they see the game in a different light and, they know both the pitching, the way the defense should be shaded, uh, calling the pitches, you know, who the hitters are, um, that sort of thing. But uh, I think it's harder to go from third base or infield outfield to catcher than vice versa. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think it would be. And, you know, he, he, he had good range. Uh, he played well, and, you know, his the hinges in his knees had to be blown out and catching all the, you know, the times that he did. It's, 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 it's murder to your legs. So to see him do that well for that long, 
was uh, was surprising, you know, in that sense. But uh, uh, he sure had a knack of, of how to play baseball. You know, have there been any other players? You know, Barry Barry brings up Josh Donaldson, but for yourself, as as someone watching, um, have there been any players that that you you saw and went, man, that reminds me of me, or man, that just brings something back of another, anything like that? Well, you know, the one guy that uh, I thought, you know, we we play we play a lot of the game a lot the same way. That was Lenny Dykstra. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I called him nails, and uh, um, he played it hard. Uh, you know, and there were other guys like Brett Lowry, mm -hmm. uh, guys like that that would play hard. Brett maybe a little bit too much, though, Kelly. That he 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 abused his body so much that he didn't have a very long career out of it. Yeah, I, and you know they said the same thing about me. They they said that uh, you know Kelly, do you think that? if you're on first next time and um, you know, it's a double play ball, uh, you could maybe run out of the baseline and not have to go so hard and so fast and take that guy out trying to turn the double play at second. And, and you know, it just sent me such mi mixed signals. It's like, why did you go out and draft me? Why did you go out and want me on the team? Yeah, obviously you like the way that I play, and now you're trying to change that? I, I didn't understand it. You know, I didn't play the game to last. Uh, you know, obviously, the more years you get in, the more numbers you have. And you're, the better chance you're going to have for the Hall of Fame. You don't get to the Hall of Fame without numbers unless you've done something really good uh, in, in your life, uh, you know, in a different accord. Uh, and you're taken out of the game early, but you have to have years, you have to have days, you have to have numbers, period, to make it to the Hall of Fame. And that never even crossed my mind. Uh, you know, I played it for no regrets. I had two guys, Rusty Staub and um, Don Baylor. Both of them told me the same thing. They said, Kelly, if you're so fortunate to play at this level that I played at, just promise yourself you'll play each pitch like it's your last because one day it will be. And when you retire on that porch in that rocking chair and you're rocking back and forth, you don't want to have any regrets. You don't want to say, I wish I'd have done this and I wish I'd have done that. Spend it. Everything you have, each pitch like it's your last. And I played that way uh, because I, you never know when it's going to be your last. And I didn't want to have any regrets. And that really stuck to me. So, you know, that's uh, so I played the game hard. I, I dove for the ball many times. And I know what was the thought process was in my mind. I know what I thought before I dove. Oh, I can't get that ball. That I didn't get a good enough jump or he hit that ball too good or it's too far away. But nevertheless, I'd take that step and I'd dive. And lo and behold, to my surprise, the ball's in my glove. And I'm going, holy cow, I caught it. Oh, now I got to get up and throw him out, you know? And I get up and throw him out. I almost forgot because I was so surprised I had the ball in my glove. So, you know, it's, it's funny how that works. But uh, never say never, you know, it, 
what the mind can conceive, you will achieve. If you think something's going to happen, chances are it's going to happen. But if you don't think it's not going to happen, guess what? Chances are it's not going to happen. For the record, are you sitting in a rocking chair right now? It's an office chair. Okay. I'm, I'm, okay. An, I'm a businessman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What is it like for you to watch video of your playing days or have you watched if you see like games from the, you know, 91, 92 and like when you see that young Kelly Gruber in that uniform, what does it do for you to see that? Um, what in the world? Did, why did I have a mullet? <laughs> <laughs> um, we all did. Yeah, I, I had a mullet because I liked long hair, but. I didn't like it in my eyes because if I couldn't see the ball, it would hurt if it hit me. So, you know, that was the main thing. But I don't like the way I sound when I listen to uh, a recording or this or that. I don't like the way I look. I don't, I mean, to everybody else, it, it, they go through the same thing. And it's just amazing how unhappy, maybe not unhappy, but we're not satisfied with who we are when we see ourselves um because i guess we're never out there looking back and seeing what we're how we sound and what we look like and this and that so you know it, it uh, i don't i think about it back then and it, it, it just it it seems so long ago and <clears throat> you know we, we we often talked about what is seven billion people in the world and there's how many major league teams? 30? Yeah. It's not a lot of people uh, doing it, right? And that's 30, the thing. Third yeah. 33rd baseman out of 7 billion people. What are the chances of you being one? Yeah. And the thing is, most of us, you know, we may have some photos or home movies of ourselves. But when you're doing what you did, Kelly, I mean, you know, you, you go all over YouTube. You go all over TV. And in your your history is is documented there. I mean, it's there forever and ever. When you're long gone, people can still watch videos of Kelly Gruber hitting home runs. It's pretty wild when you think about that because very few people have that or did. Now with everybody videotaping everything, we, we all do, but back then it was rare. Yeah, I wish I would have had a GoPro with me diving for the balls oh, and stuff. Oh, shoot, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, yeah, it's... It's a different world for sure, you know, and, and um, there's so much more distractions. I mean, I think about my kids now, and I think cell phones weren't that long ago. Mm -mm. You know, it, it just, it's amazing that the technology and the strides we've made. It's scary in the fact that where, where do we go from here? You know, if we make those same kind of strides that we made, man i i don't know you know those, those kids and I, I didn't need very many distractions to get me off course you know uh, it, it 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 had its way with me you know I, my it was hard for me to concentrate add adhd all that kind of stuff and, you know it, we're the boys are a lot different than the girls and we're, we're thinking about the game after you know during class uh, or or the girls, or, you know. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's a uh, it's a different world, certainly for sure. 
speaking about that, you know, you can you can you can go back and you can take a look at at, at these old videos and and you can hear yourself speak and and you know, is there if two two questions I guess is kind of what were kind of bubbling in my mind. If you if you could have sort of written your baseball career, would those press interviews, would that time in the spotlight, would it have even been a part of it, or would you have just rather played? Actually, we'll start with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question because not always did I feel like talking to the press. Um, you know, there are a few that would change the stories. Would would uh, you know? Uh, I mean, we always said. Who buys a newspaper to read the good news? No, they want to read the bad news. They want to read the dirt, whether it's true or not. You know, and and you know it. Uh, it's a dog eat world. But I also knew that um, they had a job to do, and uh, most of the guys, because they could, they wouldn't talk to the reporters when they had a bad game or when we lost or, uh, you know, and it shut them off. And, and I didn't do that because, well, most importantly, I, I didn't want them writing a bunch of crap about me, you know, <laughs> because they're going to have the last say, so they got the pen in their hand and, uh, they can make you look, you know, how they want you to look. Um, but they had, they had their job to do and I may not feel like talking to them because I was the goat that night, but, uh, I did anyway, um, because, uh, they needed to do their job. Uh, and I think for the most part, they, they appreciated that, you know, I had quite a few of them, the beat writers, um, they, they would come up and thank me. Uh, or being that way, so so that paid a lot of dividends. I, I yeah, I just I was just brought up to treating people, uh, you know, how you want to be treated. Uh, that's you know a, a, a pretty good golden rule. That uh, you know, if everybody could do that, this world would be a, a lot better place. With that being said, Kelly, is it was it hard for you to go through times, even like after your playing days, where you know, people would say not so nice things. I mean, we talked before about that incident that happened in Toronto and you addressed it. And also, I don't want to go down that path again, but just as far as, you know, is there anything about you as a human being or as a person that maybe people don't understand or don't realize about Kelly Gruber that maybe make judgments just based on things they might read or see snippets of or whatever? Is there anything that, because I know you better than a lot of people do that are out there. And I know that how much you give back and how all the wonderful things that you do and the motivational speaking and stuff. But are you cool with what your legacy is as as a, a celebrity? I, I am. I, I, I really am. I, you know, there's no regrets. We're going back to the regret table. You know, there's no regrets. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, I <laughs> I've been called every name in the book. Um uh, I was a wife beater or uh, beat my kids or, uh, you know, and that just, it comes along with the territory. It's part of the real estate. 
and you come to learn that real fast. Um, and you got to have pretty thick skin. You know, you can't uh, you can't let that bother you, obviously, um, because it would change your game. Uh, it, it had that much uh, influence. So you know, just I guess growing up and realizing that and and you know we were fortunate as well because we had a guy that would come and talk to us he was a sports psychologist sudden sam mcdowell mm -hmm. he was a pitcher and they called him sudden sam because when he pitched he threw that ball that ball was suddenly upon you <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh and he's a big guy He's a really big guy, so he closes that gap um, like Randy Johnson would do. Now, I don't know if anybody was that big on the mound, but, um, you know, it, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a mental challenge every day to put up with. And, you know, I had a rule. I didn't read any newspapers during the season. Did not. Well, I, did, I don't really read period you know which i'm not bragging about by any means but <laughs> i i end up falling asleep when i start reading you know i do the same uh, yeah if i get uh, into a good book i'm asleep 10 minutes in oh man <laughs> or i'm going back and and I, I get past the first paragraph you know and it's like okay let's start the second one it's like wait a minute wait a minute what the first paragraph say again <laughs> and it's like oh my gosh and i'd be out I would be out asleep, but, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's just a trial by error. Really. It, it, you know, you trial by fire. I mean, you, you go through it and, and you learn as you go and, uh, hopefully, you know, take some lessons along with you in, in how to, uh, combat it. Um, but uh, you don't really stop it. You know, the, 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 the pedestal, the uh, idol, the worship, uh, all of these things, you know, I, I did not enjoy. I, I, I appreciated it. Um, I revered it, you know, but. Uh, That's I not why scared. you became a baseball player, right? You didn't come, become a baseball player. And a lot of musicians. Uh, are kind of looked at the same way, right? You become a rock star because you want to meet girls or you want to be pop, you want to be famous. But there are some that feel that way. But at the end of the day, you do it because you love making music. You play baseball because you love playing baseball, not to be a star. Yeah, yeah. And that's all I did was, you know, I was in sports. Uh, everything, tennis, basketball, baseball, football, track. And I stayed busy the whole year. So that's really all that I knew. I wish you know, I would play music, even though my my family is into music. You know, uh, my mom's uh, warmed up for Elvis, mm -hmm. sang with Elvis. That's awesome. Had a band. Yeah, and Miss Texas, well, Brett, but um, and my cousin Lyle Lovett and he are real close and and co-write a lot of stuff together. And he he's played on his uh his albums and stuff, and went on tour quite a bit with him and. So it's in my family, and I wish I would have 
you know, it's played. never too late, Kelly. It's never too late. Tom, I was about to say, if you Tom, ever, Tom's yeah. a guitar teacher. He does a lot of uh, online lessons. You know, we could set you up. Yeah. Well, is it drums or is it guitar? Guitar. Guitar so could, or bass. I could swing the, that stick. <laughs> uh, I actually do. Uh, one of the introductory lessons I do uh, with with my students is uh, I, I pick some of your favorite songs and I teach you how to play them with one finger. So just to show you that, you know, the guitar isn't that unapproachable an instrument because it can be something that's, it, it's actually, it's funny. It's something that athletes tend to do really well because it's a lot of muscle control, muscle memory and at the beginning pain until you get the calluses rolling. Oh man, it hurts my fingers. I was, I was embarrassed to say, but I, I'm not going to play guitar because it hurts my fingers. That didn't sound very good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Some, some tough guy you are, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. So the swinging those sticks makes more sense to me. I, I was in band when I was in, in junior high and, and I, I was in percussion. So uh, I know a little bit of, of drums. And well, what did I read? Uh, just three. Is it yesterday? Uh, a couple of days has been passed. Neil Peart uh, is a. Uh, from Which Rush. Passing. Yeah, oh, it was God. the anniversary yeah. of it. Yeah, he died just, uh, that was mm -hmm. one of the first bad news things we got from 2020. But yeah, I mean, and you got to know some of the guys, some of the rock stars, didn't you, during your days? And that was one of the nice things about Celebrity, right, Kelly? Because it did allow you to connect with other celebrities specifically. Because I, and again, like you say, not only do ball players want to be musicians, they that that's who their kind of you know celebrity heroes are and vice versa you know rock stars want to meet athletes so who were some of the cool musicians you got a chance to meet back then well uh i'll tell you the one that really kind of freaked me out <clears throat> i went with dave steve to uh see rush and they played in the gardens mm -hmm. and uh what a great show. And I, I grew up in, in Westlake in Austin here, you know, listening to 2112 and, and, and what have you. And when that show was over, they came up and asked Dave and I, if we wanted to come back and meet the guys. And I think Dave had already met those guys. I certainly hadn't. And um, I said, sure. And we went back and visiting with Alex and, and, and Getty. Um, and Getty just kind of tapped me and said, um, Kelly, uh, do you have a minute? I said, sure, Getty, what, what's going on? He goes, um, I'd like to show you something. So I followed him. And he's got this. You know how they travel? They've got this big, like, dresser drawer that buckles, and it, it's on castle, like six feet tall, and uh, it opens up like this, and one side is hanging clothes, and the other side are drawers. Well, lo and behold, there's all the pictures of his family on the drawers, and there's my baseball card. That's so Oh. I went, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> right? And and uh but that was yeah, that that was something else. That's 
it's like, man, I'm, I must have made it or I must be somebody, you know? But um, it's, it's funny, with your, your music, when you play that lick, you can't take that back. You've played that lick. It's a lick play. You better be on to the next lick because that song keeps moving on. It's all live. Well, that's the same thing kind of with baseball. Uh, you know, once that pitch is gone, you're not changing it. Um, you know, so I think that's kind of the compliment between the two and why musicians want to be baseball players, baseball, because everything's live. Mm -hmm. Everything's live. And you don't have time. The crowd was spilled milk, missing that note or making that error or, you know, you better be off to the next pitch or the next note. When you, yeah, it, it, that's easy to easy. It's very easy to say, Kelly. But I mean, if you're in the middle of a game and a ball goes through your legs, how long before you stop killing yourself over it? Because it's embarrassing, right. right? You know you're not supposed to do that. Unless now the next year, you're, you're over the next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're a Bill Buckner. <laughs> Poor Bill Buckner had to live with that his entire life. It, it affects you. And, and I don't know anybody that, that likes failing. I don't, I don't know anybody that likes committing an error or something like that. You know, but it happens again. How would we know what success was if it wasn't for failure? And, you know, you have to start looking at it constructively. And what I would do, I would replay in my mind, okay, I caught the ball fine. I came up throwing and I either threw wild or there was not enough juice on the ball to be in time on time okay so i need to replay that in my mind in my mind's eye before that next pitch is done and see what i did wrong mm -hmm. and then and then replay it again now see yourself doing it right so you make the, the correction you stay busy mentally and not sitting over there oh you stupid Tucker, man, what the, what are you thinking about, you know, and just digging yourself a hole, uh, because again, it's seven seventy percent failure ratio, and mm -hmm. there's such a fine. How many people have uh, uh, hit four hundred and been right forty percent uh, of the time with the sixty percent failure ratio, and then you got you hit two hundred below the Mendoza line. I mean, that's a fine line, you know. Uh, uh, you're looking for another job. Yep. So you got to really stay busy and, and replay the plays in your mind and see yourself doing it right and, and setting yourself up for the next play to do it right. Uh, as, as, as you're thinking about, okay, well, it's 2-1 now, and this guy's hitting, he's a poor hitter, and I know Jimmy Key's on the mound. He's going to keep the ball away and throw that dead fish He's going to try to pull it. Well, he's not going to hit it down the line very hard on me, so I afford to get off of the line, take away that hole, and still get to that ball that he's trying to pull and hits a 100 hopper down the line. I can still get to it and throw him out, so I'll push towards the hole. And, you, you know, you stay busy. 
again like that mentally and uh, you just you're in the right spot you're you're setting yourself up you know to have success i love what you're saying as you're talking through learning like the actual process of learning from these failures and improving it's actually been a, a bit of a common theme here on Out of the Park. Uh, we, we spoke to a number of former Blue Jays who uh, really surprised us because you know, when they talked about the big moments in their careers, it wasn't the success that they had, but it was the failures that they wouldn't have ever been as good with them. And you know, is there, one, is there a big failure for you that, that sticks out in your mind that, that made you as successful a player as you were? Or was it just that process of learning as you went that you just described? I don't know that there's any really one particular thing. Uh, you know, they, they all seem to be giants. Uh, and, and certainly the whole process of um, going through it all and, and learning it, you know, again, I was very fortunate because I had such great teachers. I had such great coaches that, uh, you know, were willing to pass down that knowledge. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to see the game have more of that. Um, any game, any team, any sport, because when you have the people that have fought the wars, they know how to lead you into battle. And, you, you know, you, there's no attitudes, there's no egos, there's no nothing, no bickering, no arguing. Um, and, because you know he's been through it. Cito, he'd been through those wars. Mm -hmm. And I'd be a fool not to listen to him. So, you, you know, it, I was fortunate in that we all were in that sense. Uh, there's so many coaches out there that, I mean, even the, some of the guys that had played, you know, maybe he was a pitcher or maybe he was a catcher. Well, how's he going to tell me how to play third base? You know, how many games did you play at third base? Uh, or maybe he wasn't that top of the line of a player. So it, because with every bit of success as time goes on, those are different platforms, different levels and, and different ways of handling, you know, that fame. I've always said, give me all the fortune and you can have the fame, you know. <laughs> That's the mess I don't like dealing with, you know, but um, it, it, again, comes along with the territory. Well, I'll tell you what, Kelly, uh, as we wrap up, I will say you did give me some pointers at Fantasy Camp on how to make some plays. You actually were helping me in the infield. So I feel I owe you. So the next time I actually see you, which I'm still waiting for the invite out to Texas for the band to play, but I guess we got to wait for all this COVID stuff to go away. But I will give you some music lessons. How about that? I owe you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. You, you would love it. You'd love it down here. Uh, Only if you regrow it. you got to grow the mullet back, though. If you're going to be a musician, that, if you're oh. going to be a musician, you got to have the mullet back. No, <laughs> I'm going to let it all grow. <laughs> oh, there we I, go. I just got it cut. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I got it butched, man. You should have seen it. I, <clears throat> not getting out. And of course, I'm not going to go get a haircut with the COVID-19. That's way too close. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I put it off to the COVID-19 hairdo. Yeah, times. that's right. Everybody's <laughs> going to have pictures. That's right. It, you know? So 
it's what it was. And then I, I just asked for a trim and yeah, I don't, I don't, maybe she spelt trim with two M's. I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, chopped it. It's like, Oh yeah. And you feel naked, you know? <laughs> Listen, Matt, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time uh, to chat today. Um, you know, being being a little bit younger than you, uh, I was, you know, one of those teenagers watching you back in the, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s. And, it, it, and it's so cool to be able to see you doing so well now and, and taking the time to chat with us, pal. Well, you, almost, you scared me. I almost thought you were leading into that. I was like the one, that, you know, that had your poster on my ceiling, saw you every night before I went to bed. No, no, no. <laughs> No, there, no. Oh crap! Okay, I better not tell you about that one. Well, he was known as the prettiest Blue Jay when he played. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate it, Barry. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. And and uh, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy doing your show. You know, uh, I'm not. I guess again, it comes with the territory. It's not like, oh man, yeah, I love it, man. Put me on the camera, you know. Uh, but. Uh, it uh i think i think it needs to be done and and whether we want to or not and and i like the way you guys uh do your show and i appreciate it and i don't know i'm thinking about doing a podcast myself uh i don't know why because i can't i can't see the canadian people or i, I can't be there right now and have it so maybe that's the way to reach out and i love it and uh, you know keep it keep it going or something and and so i might be reaching out to you and, yeah. and interviewing you guys. well i'm uh, not gonna interview you guys together you <laughs> well i tell you, you what know. once this gets released if and i'm sure everyone's gonna love it then that will be your sign that it's time to do your own show cool yeah i like it all right cal <laughs> stay well my man okay. take care all nice right. talking to you there is former toronto blue jay kelly gruber and uh you can if you're an otp member watch the entire video of that conversation and it will be up uh hopefully by uh, middle of the week and uh it takes a little longer thomas to put the video up than it does to put a part two audio up so uh for those members that are listening now take advantage of this you're the only ones that get to see the full-length videos so uh if you would like to become a member and access these uh, these really cool uh conversations video style uh just go to patreon.com slash out of the park and you can join up, help support the show for as little as three bucks a month. Your votes have been tabulated. Time now for Barry's fair or foul poll results. It is making its triumphant return to out of the park, and that is our fair or foul poll. Mm -hmm. Now, I should have worded it as a fair or foul poll and say it's way too fair or foul. It's way too soon to consider this offseason a failure. And then it would have been a fair foul pull. But I just said, mm -hmm. is it? Well, that's okay. You know what? Because it was an inconclusive poll in the end. It, was it wasn't fair an or inconclusive foul. No. And how do you explain, Thomas? Over 1,300 votes, okay? 50-50. 50 50-50. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. That very rarely happens. Like, if you have 10 votes, yeah, it's possible it's 5 and 5. But when you're talking 1,300 votes. Perfectly down the middle. I'm, You know what? To be honest, I'm surprised that it was 50% saying, like, that they're hitting the panic button. I didn't think it would be that high. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought more people well, would be showing patience is, after a postseason run. 
Well, that's it. And, and the interesting thing is the majority of the comments were on the side of, no, it's lots of time, lots of time. The panicked ones voted, but they did not express their Maybe panic. they're too scared to say any, you know, to leave any comments, right? They're too panicked. This <laughs> is true. Hey, uh, next week, many of you have made your minds up already on how you feel about him. But after you hear our conversation next week with former Blue Jay Chris Colabello, you will totally understand that it's not necessarily a matter of him still needing to clear his name, Tom. I would say he's yeah, clear. That's and that's the thing. And for whoever has dropped comments like that, you know, throw that at their cheater, cheater. It is, you know, beyond the pale. It it is beyond common sense to even at this point try and argue that he cheated. There's nobody that's talked to him, no professional, no doctor of any type, physical and psychological, that have even thought it was a possibility. And he's all but exonerated. We, we covered in the interview, it's amazing. But for all the people out there, if you're listening, and if you threw out that comment, like Cheater, have a listen. Listen to Chris Colabella's story, because if he isn't a cheater, he deserves like more empathy and more compassion than any human... <laughs> You know, that you can think of for what he's gone through, and he's still fighting for what he feels is right. And, and in that way, it's an amazing story. I can't wait to share the interview. Well said, Thomas. All right, uh, I would love to chat with you longer, but uh, like Kelly Gruber in his Major League debut, and like me on the debut show of Out of the Park way back, uh, I got to go pee. So uh, thank you, Tom, and thank you all for making us a part of your week. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.